try to break me down, but their plan fails. I remember like yesterday, still clear as day. When I felt I had my whole future stripped away. Should have known better, I felt the heat speeding through the lanes. I was looking for the better. Hello and welcome to The State versus Me. My name is Juanlito Valladolid. Also known as Proper Defendant in Criminal Case CR 2016-153-963 and CR 2017-105-988. I'm here to share a reality with everybody out there because I feel like there's a lot of things that happen in the legal system that go unsaid, that go unspoken, that are avoided, that are looked past. In 2016, I was arrested for shooting a man. Now I shot him in self-defense. But nobody knows that because everybody who I encountered in the legal system, everybody that I expected to help me shed light to my truth because I believed the truth would set me free, did everything possible to avoid having my truth on record. Now I know it may not make sense now, but if you stick around, it will definitely make more sense. Um, now this is just my first recording and I just wanted to give you a brief, um, just some background on myself, my history, because as many people that would like to focus on the three years of my life that led up to the incident that they accused me of, my life consists of way more than that. I'm a 36-year-old gay Latino male. I was born in Torrance Memorial Hospital in California and as a natural born citizen of this country, I believed that America was founded on a system that promoted fairness, promoted equality, and I believe that the system also had checks and balances which secured those natural born rights. Well, after spending 13 months incarcerated for two crimes that I didn't commit, I came to find out a harsh reality, which is the system may have been established to create a foundation 
for American citizens to have a fair shot at defending themselves from accusations or allegations prior to being punished and sentenced. It seems that the people in the system now holding positions of power, holding positions that will affect other people's lives, not just temporarily, but for the rest of their lives, have lost sight of the essence of our legal system and why it's established and how it's supposed to function. Once I found myself on the other side of the bars, it was pretty clear that my truth did not matter. Every time I opened my mouth to try to speak on my own behalf, because apparently a state providing somebody legal counsel when they cannot afford one themselves means that your counsel will be given to you to their convenience as they need it. Considering criminal charges have a negative adverse effect on a defendant. One, a reasonable mind would think and assume that an attorney would be afforded upon request. Not meaning that there shouldn't be a in-depth investigation and that questions should be seized once an attorney is requested but that a defendant is given an attorney to be present when they are being questioned. And that if a defendant is requesting an attorney to be present to assist them with the, with the process, that those individuals, color of law agents, who are running the system, um, pretty much just hold off on asking questions until an attorney is present and then continue their investigation. But it seems that in the world that we live in today, or in the America that we live in today, the moment you ask for an attorney, you're basically saying you're guilty and you don't want to speak to um, anybody anymore. Um, instead of it being taken for what it is and it, basically a defendant requesting somebody to be present to protect their rights, to make sure that they're being protected against manipulation and from everything that basically happened in my case. Um, it's interesting how 36 years of my life
I never had any issues with the legal system. And in a matter of three months, between November of 2016 and February of 2017, I was labeled as a two-time felon. Not just one time, a two-time felon. I plan on sharing a lot of personal information about myself. It should, it would only be fair in order for me to be able to establish um, some background for you to understand my position with the system and where, where I'm coming from. Um, so a little, uh, a little bit about that. Um, I was born in Torrance, California, moved to Arizona in 2005. Um, now, before I moved to Arizona in 2005, um, I had an issue with addiction in California. Mainly the reason why I decided to move to Arizona to shift away from that lifestyle and make some changes. And it worked. It worked for a really long time. Up until 2014, when one of my best friends was diagnosed with terminal cancer. I saw her through her sickness, her illness, all the way in, up until the end. My friend died in June of 2016, which, and by no means am I using that as an excuse, but it did influence the out of control spiral that I found myself in with my addiction. Not only was I making stupid choices and doing dumb, dumb things for the convenience of the lifestyle, which gave me, you know, plenty of free time to take my friend to doctor's appointments and all that stuff. But What I wasn't noticing, what I wasn't paying attention to was the kind of people that I was allowing to enter my life. The kind of people that I was allowing to come in and be part of my surroundings. Mostly for the simple fact that I didn't want to be alone. But those people that I was allowing to come into my home, those people that I was feeding, those people that I was putting a roof over their head, um, apparently they didn't look at friendship the same way. In October of 2016, I had a gun that was stolen from me. Now, that gun was reported to the police as missing on November 11th, 2016. Now, you might be saying, why did it take you a whole month to report your gun missing? Well, 
The thing is that I was on drugs. The people around me were on drugs. Nobody on drugs likes the police. That's obvious. Well, 90% of people don't like the police anyways. But, um, you know, addicts definitely, you know, do their very best to stay away from um, law enforcement. Now, when I reported the gun missing, the people who were involved with the missing gun found out. On November 16th, 2016, I went to my old residence to pick up a friend to go to the casino. Upon me arriving, I saw the gentleman that was involved with my missing gun, and we had an exchange of words. From across the courtyard, he was, you know, being very passive-aggressive. Um, we had, you know, a very abrupt exchange of words to my surprise while he was distracting me from across the courtyard the gentleman who had sold him the gun which is the man that I shot that night came from behind me and started bashing my head and started pounding my head and knocked me out knocked me to the ground mind you the friend that was distracting me was on the second level across the courtyard. By the time I came to, that guy was standing over me, pulling my backpack off my shoulder. The banging of my head from him pulling my backpack off my shoulder as, it, as I flopped back, backwards on the ground is what made me come back too. From a blacked out state. When he was pulling my backpack off of me. My phone fell out. My wallet fell out. And. A second. Gun that I legally owned. Mind you. The weapons that I owned. I legally owned. And. When. He took my bag off my shoulder. Daniel, which is the state's victim, according to them. Daniel stopped banging my head on the ground long enough to pick up the phone that had fell out of my bag. While he was distracted with my phone, I scooted back on the ground. I saw my wallet was on the ground. He told me, get your wallet and get the fuck out of here. I grabbed my wallet and I scooted back in a hurry some more. At which point, I looked over to my right and I saw my gun in the holster sitting in the rocks. About two feet from me. I looked at the gun and then I looked at Daniel and I realized that I had to use it to get away from him. I picked up the gun and I immediately pointed it at him.
Mind you, while he was banging my head on the ground, my watch had got stuck in his head while I was blacked out on his hair. When it came to, he told me that, I remember the first words out of his mouth when I came back to, if you don't stop pulling my hair, I'm going to crack your fucking head open with a fucking rock and kill you, you fucking bitch. For which reason, I picked up my gun and immediately pointed it at him in fear for my life. He stood there about seven feet from me and watched me. I started backing up, walking backwards slowly. I took about two two steps backwards when Daniel got into a running stance and started to charge me. In that moment, I turned the gun from his head to his leg and I shot him in his leg. I wasn't trying to kill the man. I was trying to save my life. I was trying to stop him from killing me. Now, I thought I shot him. Turns out the bullet grazed him. At that point, I turned and I started to leave. When I got to my car, his friend that was distracting me, Colin, comes running around the building with a sledgehammer. So I drove off. I didn't want to have to hurt anybody else to get away from there. I was already in my car. I had no way of calling the police. My phone had been stolen by the man they called their victim. And how, why would, how could I stay? So at that point, I went back to my house and I parked my car a block away in fear that Daniel or his friends would come back. Shoot, maybe even come back and kill me with my own gun that they had already stole from me. Another reason why I left the property after I shot why would I stick around? I was in fear that Colin had ran into the complex to pick up the gun that he had stole from me. I was in fear that he was going to come back and kill me with my own gun. So I left. At that point, while I was gone, the police showed up and they treated Daniel, took him to the hospital, questioned him, questioned his friends, the witnesses. Keep in mind, Daniel and his friend were both named as suspects in the missing gun report I had made five days prior. Because of the information that, the, that Colin was sharing with police that day, the police officers decided before they even saw me that I was somebody who didn't deserve to be free. They had already decided my guilt without even speaking to me.
They had already determined my outcome. Keep in mind when they arrived at my house, as soon as I saw them pulling in through my surveillance footage, I walked to the door, put the gun on the coffee table, stepped outside and put raised my hands in the air. I self-surrendered to the cops. I advised them that I had shot the man in self-defense and that the gun that I had used was sitting on the coffee table for them to collect. At that point, everything just went out of control. Officers started threw me on the ground. They put me on the ground. They started searching me. And I was pissed. I was pissed that I was being arrested instead of these men who almost killed me. Matter of fact, they broke my nose that night. They, I had to go to the hospital. I did go to the hospital and get, and get x-rays and get my nose checked. So... Officers came by, taunted me, um, basically treated me like a criminal. And the moment I asked if I was going to have an attorney present, their investigation ended. Never again did I hear from an officer, an investigator, a detective. Never did I did I get um, summoned to provide them with my written statement or verbal statement of the incident. The prosecutor that was in charge of the case didn't bother to get my side of the story. No deposition was ever um, requested. No testimony. And this is why I'm I'm speaking out now. Because of those circumstances, I was forced to plead guilty to two crimes that I didn't commit. Right. That's only one crime. So, for that incident, I was put in jail. I was charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Um, I was indicted by a grand jury. And... Oh, man. S sorry. Um, I get really emotional about this. I mean, I've been through something that most people would only think happens in movies. But because of my experience, I, you know, with dealing with inca incarceration and with the way that the legal system um, handled my case, I feel like I've I've been exposed to some deep truth. I no longer see through the smoke screens. I was able to dissect what I was going through from the inside out. So when I was arrested for aggravated assault I was in custody and according to um, policies and procedures a defendant 
or a suspect is supposed to be presented in front of a magistrate within 24 hours of their arrest or they're supposed to be released. So mind you, I was in custody, um, yet I was never presented in front of the magistrate for my initial court appearance. As if that wasn't bad enough, when I got my release documentation from that initial court appearance, the judge had signed off that I was removed from a courtroom that I never stood in. Um, I'll go into more detail on that in another episode, but not only was I not afforded my due process rights of an initial court appearance in one case, but it happened a second time in another, in my second case. Um, it's so unfortunate that the legal system has now been turned into something that people use for political gain, people use um, for their own political agendas. And it's no longer to promote truth and fairness, um, considering that I was exposed to corruption in so many levels of the legal system ranging from police officers, detectives not doing their jobs right, asking the right questions or any questions at all, police officers falsifying police reports, prosecutors manipulating court proceedings, manipulating sentencing, to intimidate and pressure me to plead guilty to crimes due to my ignorance to the legal system and my lack thereof experience in the system. Even the public defenders that were assigned to my case wouldn't step up and help. I went through three public defenders, a private attorney, and then finally I got tired of it and I fired her too. And I finally decided to go, go pro per and represent myself. Mind you, every time any one of those four attorneys approached me, all they kept ins insisting was the best outcome for me was to sign a four year prison plea. It wasn't until I started representing myself that I got what people call the deal of a lifetime. I was offered a year and a half in prison for unlawful flight from law enforcement and three years probation for shooting a man. How, where did that second charge come from? So, good question. Let me um, shed a little bit of light on that. So while I was in jail for aggravated assault, my parents decided to post my bond. So November 16th, I was arrested December or something. I was bonded out. When I got bonded out, I filed a complaint against the detective that handled my case for not detecting anything. 
Um, I filed a complaint against the officer who was transporting me from my home to the precinct. Um, and I filed a complaint against the judge who signed off on a document indicating that I was removed from a courtroom that I never stood in. Now, if it happened to me, it could happen to you or one of your loved ones. And I'm sure it's happened to many, many, many others. It is not okay that we stand back and allow a legal system that is founded to entrust the public to bring out truth in matters that can't be um, resolved amongst citizens that it has been turned into a system that encourages attorneys, prosecutors, officers to do what they have to do for their desired outcomes. My gosh. Judges allowed the prosecutor to take their time to try to build a case against me. I spent nine months in county jail in Maricopa County. Man, I called it the devil's den. While I was in jail fighting my case, not only was I subjected to being in cells with murderers, um, gangsters, real criminals, violent criminals, but I was also assaulted while I was in jail, which I will talk more about later on. Um, man, I'm not trying to say everybody in the legal system is corrupt by any means. I know there are some decent people who wear their badges with honor. I know there are some decent people who took an oath to apply the law fairly and equally. And there's some people who have no thought about violating their oaths. But I tell you what, I must have been the most special person in America because I feel like 99% of the people who touched my case were either proactively engaged and involved in the manipulation and the intimidation tactics to get me to confess to crimes that I didn't commit. I mean, I'm not claiming to be a saint by any means. As I said, during that, during those times, I was a drug addict. I wasn't the educated one that I was raised to be. 
I was making stupid choices for stupid reasons. And that in inevitably caused the outcome. Now, when I was when I was out after filing those complaints, I was privileged to speak to a sergeant in the Professional Standards Bureau who told me had he been faced with the same information the night of the incident or the night of the shooting, he wouldn't have asked me any questions either. He would have just threw me in jail. Um, I was dissatisfied with his response because I felt that a man who worked for the Professional Standards Bureau, he should expect more from his officers, his detectives. He should expect and demand that they do a better job and set a higher standard for his for the precinct and those that report to him and those that follow in his lead. Um, after a, an unpleasant exchange of words with him, he uh, essentially hung up on me because um, I was, you know, pretty upset that he was admitting to me that he was, you know, pretty much just as worthless as the detective that was on my case. Um, about a week later, I, I called back to the Professional Standards Bureau and asked to speak to his boss. I asked to speak to um, Sergeant Brent Buchanan's boss, and they brought a lieutenant on the line. So after a few moments of speaking to the lieutenant, I realized that the conversation was really going the same direction with that the sergeant. Um, he basically, they sounded like they were rehearsed. Um, I again expressed my dissatisfaction with the way that they viewed their work, their officer's work performance. And I um, unpleasantly expressed my dissatisfaction with him. Um, once again, the lieutenant hung up on me. Um, so this is about January. So January, February. Uh, not January because I was released on bond in January, and then in February I was I, I was arrested again for the second car charge. So the reason why. Um, and the officer that did the arresting um, was pretty honest with me, actually. I was pleasantly surprised that um, the officer was so honest with me. So what happened was that after I had that unpleasant conversation with the lieutenant, I was driving around Phoenix. And um, I'm not going to lie to you. I was very vocal about my dissatisfaction with, with the police officers. I was so pissed off at the Phoenix PD. Every officer that I saw was pretty much at fault if you were standing around not doing anything i was talking crap about you wasting taxpayer dollars if you were standing around not doing anything i was talking crap about them wasting time and you know not looking for my gun most officers were turning around and looking at me like i was crazy because um they had no idea what i was talking about but i was just so affected by their lack of due diligence that i um pretty much just categorized them all together. Um, and 
at one point I was sitting at a gas station one night and an officer pulled in and it's like it was like two o'clock in the morning and he's driving around my car driving slow you know so I start talking shit to him I was basically telling this officer um, stop fucking harassing me I told him that my license plates were legit that my insurance was legit and that he had no reason to be driving around two miles per hour on my car while I'm pumping gas. Um, I even asked him if he wanted to take a picture because he was just, you know, just annoying. Um, but anyways, so this officer goes and parks on the opposite side of the gas station and he rolls his window down. The officer rolls his window down and he tells me to shut the fuck up because nobody's fucking listening to you. Well... An angel that was somewhere in the mist. I don't even know where this where this person came from. To be honest with you, I never even saw this person. But as he's yelling this to me, I hear a voice. A lady decides to speak up and says, Fuck that motherfucker. You tell him. I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. Fuck that motherfucker. As soon as the officer heard of the lady's voice, he rolled up his window and he drove off from the gas station. Two days later, I'm driving through that neighborhood again, and there's an SUV unit sitting at the gas station. As I'm driving by, I did everything I could to avoid any contact. I was already on bond. My parents had already put up their home in California to post my $100,000 bond. And I couldn't afford to lose or to affect my, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I just, I couldn't. So as upset as I was, I had really toned, toned myself down a lot and realized, because I was realizing that now it's not just me, now it's my parents and their home and their stability's in jeopardy. So. Um, I did everything that I could to, to, you know, I turned left, I turned into the center lane. Um, I counted to five with my blinker on before I switched lanes. I counted to five again with my blinker on before I switched lanes again because I needed to get into the far right lane and I was in the center lane. And this cop just jumps out of the gas station and he starts driving behind me. Mind you, I'm driving the speed limit. I'm not driving crazy. I'm driving to my friend's house. As if he wasn't behind me. This officer turns on his lights right before I get to my friend's house. So I just pulled into the driveway. We were literally at my friend's house. When I pulled into the driveway, he parks his car at the at the corner at the at the curb, and he runs out and he draws his gun. And he points it right at my head. He tells me get the fuck out of the car. I asked him why are you pulling me over. He said, I, I told you to get the fuck out of your fucking car. I clarified to the officer that that wasn't a legitimate reason to pull me over. He told me, I'm not going to tell you again. I said, get the fuck out of your car. At that point, I told the officer, well, if you're not going to give me a legitimate reason to pull me over, then fuck you too. At which point, I drove off. Just to be clear, I did stop for the officer. I even 
gave him an opportunity to tell me why he was pulling me over. And he wouldn't give me a legitimate reason. So I did not stick around to be harassed or maybe even shot. So um, a couple moments later, I have three SUV units following me and a helicopter is following me through Phoenix, downtown. So I called 911 and I asked them why they're trying to stop me. I called 911 a couple of times and they kept and I got the, the line was getting disconnected by the um, operators because it was in an emergency. If I really wanted to find out why they were pulling me over, I would pull over. Well, I had already been incarcerated um, two months prior for something I didn't do. Um, I wasn't trying to go through that again. So I was insisting that they put somebody on the line like the chief of police um, to tell me why I was getting pulled over. They insisted that the chief of police was not available for calls of, of, of that type and that I should stop calling because um, they had real emergencies to, to deal with. Keep in mind that at that point, after the second time of calling 911, I actually remember that they have the non-emergency number. So I started calling the non-emergency number to speak to somebody on the phone to figure out why they were trying to pull me over. To speak to somebody and try to make sense of why these cops were following me. Why I had three SUV units and a helicopter, um, you know, telling me through downtown Phoenix. Um, I advised them at that point that... If they continue to follow me and harass me, I would go on Facebook Live and broadcast the harassment. Keep in mind, it is even documented on their own documentation of the events that happened that evening. That the moment that I advised them that I was going to go on Facebook Live and broadcast the harassment, a lieutenant advised them to call off the chase. So, the SUV units disappeared a couple seconds later, and the helicopter disappeared a couple seconds later. Mind you, you would think that if they weren't doing anything wrong, they would proceed, right? If I'm an officer, and I'm pulling somebody over, whether that person has a camera or not, if I'm doing everything ethical, if I'm doing everything by the book, then by all means, go ahead and record your dumbass self getting arrested, right? That's what anybody would logically think, right? But for some reason, these officers decided to not, you know, not have their amazing um, work performance be documented um, on video or broadcasted. Um, it wasn't until the next day that the officers pulled up to my friend's house again and they knocked on the door. When they did, I, I went to the door and I looked through the peephole. I asked, I told my friend, I'm like, hey, the police is here. Obviously, I'm not going to just open the door and hand myself over, but open the door. Go ahead. I mean, it's your house. So he opens the door immediately. The, the sergeant um, asked to speak to Juan Valladolid. As soon as I heard my name, I walked up to the door. Maybe not the best approach, but as upset as I was about the whole incident, I asked the officers, there was maybe about five or six of them, 
their tour recipe that day. I asked them, oh, hey, so are you here to finally tell me why you were trying to pull me over last night? And the sergeant decided to grab me, throw me against the wall, and told me that I was being arrested for unlawful flight from law enforcement. Um, when he threw me in the back of the patrol unit, the officer that was that initiated the um, the stop the night before in the SUV at the gas station, um, they decided to throw me in the back of his SUV unit. He started taunting me, harassing me. Um, I asked him why he was trying to pull me over the night before, and he said that it was because my yelling and complaining was becoming a nuisance to the city of Phoenix. I was definitely surprised that he was so blunt and honest with me. Um, in, in light of his honesty, I decided to ask him what he was putting on paper since he was being so honest about his true intentions. Um, he advised me that he was going to put on the paper that I swerved. Um, mind you, prior to that incident where he saw me swerving, um, I hadn't had a speeding, not even a speeding ticket, a traffic infraction, a parking ticket. I hadn't had any issues with my license in over 10 years. Yet, he was the lucky bastard that caught me swerving. Um, at that point, because I was already on bond on the original, on the first charge, um, that second charge made me unbondable. Um, not only did it make me unbondable, it gave the state the leverage that they needed to intimidate me to plead guilty to the two crimes that I didn't commit. I even offered to take a lie detector test, which the prosecutor had agreed to do. And then, after apparently doing some homework or rethinking the, the possible outcome of the lie detector, um, the prosecutor decided to renege and not allow me to take a lie detector to establish the truth regarding the incident with the police officer since it was my word against his. Um, instead, he used that to leverage his his possibility. Um, now, I will definitely be going in, in more depth um, and I'll be sharing documentation from my, my cases with you. I'll be sharing um, documentation that pretty much supports the injustice that the state of Arizona put me through. Um, now, I understand because of the information that the police had obtained um, from Colin the day of the shooting. Um, they had no interest in, in trying to help me out. But keep in mind, you always have to remember your, your sources. The man that they felt was their key witness in my case, in the case they were trying to establish against me. Now, I'm going to just jump ahead a little bit here, um, but just, just to give you an idea of um, the man that they were leaning on as their key witness, the statements that they were leaning on to prosecute me. Come to find out that this man was on probation 
at the time that they were taking his statements. Oh, never mind that he was one of the named suspects in the missing gun report that I had made five days prior, um, but the officers couldn't put two and two together. Um, I'll touch base on that because actually the sergeant on um, the sergeant actually said that I had collected the gun. Um, that I had found the gun that I had reported missing. So until um, this day, nobody has ever really looked for that missing gun. Um, and um, oh yeah, so sorry. The point was that Colin Hill was on bond for or on probation for providing false information to law enforcement in the past. So you mean to tell me that you're going to lean on the word of a man who has already admitted to previously providing false information to law enforcement. Somebody who has been convicted of providing false information to law enforcement. No. I may not have been a saint, but I can say this, and this is something that I'm very proud of. I feel like um, even in my toughest times when I've made bad decisions typically those bad decisions didn't impact somebody else's life my bad decisions didn't lead to people being arrested and their freedoms to being taken i plan on i plan on sharing a lot of my truth because you know it seems kind of ironic how the court system is supposed to support I'm biased. They're supposed to be impartial to provide both parties involved an opportunity to express their truth, to determine the truth from the information that's gathered from both sides, the defendant and the plaintiff. Now, Just to give you something to think about. My side of the story, my truth was never documented. My side of the story, my truth was never presented to a judge. My truth was never on the record. Anytime I tried to put it on the record in court, I was basically um, shushed, quieted, you know, disregarded um, anytime that I brought up facts regarding their tactics and their ways um, when I filed motions I was corrected by judges because I you know my ignorance to the legal system um, was my downfall I mean you know, who would have thought that if I would have you know been arrested for petty theft in the past that I would have probably not have gone through the injustice that I went through because I had no idea of what to expect or what I was supposed to get. Now, after representing myself, I basically gave myself a crash course in, you know, the legal system. I read documentation, you know, like rules of criminal procedure, um, supreme the the superior court um, policies and procedures guidelines. I read, you know, you know, information about attorney conduct, um, rules of evidence, 
Federal Rules of Criminal Procedure. Oh, man. And it amazes me how okay people can be with deviating from what's expected from them. Judges sitting in positions who are supposed to enforce those policies instead allow the prosecution to manipulate and Man, I'll touch the base on this more later on too, but when I decided to waive time because I knew they didn't have a case against me, not only was my right to a speedy trial violated, but the judge actually allowed the prosecutor to postpone my trial so he can go on vacation with his family because even prosecutors get to take vacations he said so while i'm sitting here in jail for crimes that i didn't commit the prosecutor gets to take a vacation mind you there's many prosecutors in an office, in the district attorney's office. So you would think that if the attorney on the case needs to take a vacation, that the system or the state would be responsible to find somebody to take his place so that my rights won't be violated by prolonging my trial. You would think that the county attorney would assign my case to an attorney who will be present on my trial date. Instead, the judge assigned to my case allows the prosecutor to take a vacation. Um, this is just a quick synopsis of what happened and what I went through and why I'm um, speaking out because it's not right. It's not right that people in power use that power to gain unfair advantages of people without resources. I have since then um, gotten out of prison. So I work full time. I go to school. I'm studying criminal justice, of course. Um, and 
I literally want to sit in the same classes that these individuals that are um, controlling the legal system uh, took. I want to take the classes. I want to take um, AJS 101. I want to take AJS 210. I want to take AJS 240. I want to take the same classes, read the same textbooks that these people read, which was supposed to educate them on how the legal system is supposed to be, the criminal justice system is supposed to be administered, um, to take notes and compare them to what I went through. So let me tell you, what you read in the books and what they practice is not the same. Um, I will definitely shed more examples and speak more um, regarding that truth, but um, I just I I just feel like this is going to be this is going to be an interesting journey, and I hope that you guys decide to follow along. Um, please reach out via my Facebook page. My handle on Facebook is at the state versus me, just like my podcast. Um, if you have any questions regarding the information that I explained, um, I'll try to, you know, answer those questions. Um, if if you send them to me via Facebook, I will try to address them on the next podcast that I record. Um, this is just this isn't even the tip of the iceberg like I said not only was I deprived deprived of my nat natural born citizen rights of a fair trial of a speedy trial of due process but I saw judges allowing unethical behavior I saw people disregarding what some might even think would be illegal behavior. And I think it needs to stop. And if me sharing my truth and sharing my story helps even one person from going through what I went through, then I have no doubt in my mind that God has placed me in that predicament so that I can speak, so that I can help those who can't speak for themselves. I've never been one to be shy, to speak his mind. I've never been scared to speak the truth. I stand firm behind the truth. There's no need to silence the truth. At the end of the day, the truth is all we have. Man, I really wish they would have let me take in that lie detector test. But, I'll talk more about 
the prosecutor's um, the prosecutor's um, position on the lie detector. I think I believe his his own words were, um, "We're not going to move forward with with the lie detector administration administ being administered because um, it's." not gonna it's 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 not gonna change the course of my case he said um funny my truth would not change the course of the case that's crazy but you know being exposed to so much um in the legal system has really has has really completely actually completely changed me um the the one thing i even told the prosecutor was that his worst mistake after you know pressing charges on me once for you know defending myself from a man who was trying to kill me. Um, his worst mistake than that was allowing the police to falsify a police report and put me in jail a second time to give him an unfair advantage. Um, you know, taking away my resources, taking away, shoot, even Google. Um, taking away the things that would help me establish um, a foundation of truth. Um, you know, by putting me back in jail and making me unbondable, they stripped me of everything that I could have used or anything that I could have um, attempted to establish as a foundation to, you know, to share my truth. They stripped me of all that. Every opportunity that I, that I could have had. Um, shoot, even... The simple, even even doing research and trying to like locate an attorney who would be willing to help or somebody who wasn't an, an ex prosecutor. Um, I'll touch base on that because eventually, when I was assigned a um, defense counsel as a pro per inmate, I was assigned a defense counsel um, who happened to be an ex prosecutor. Um, and to be honest with you. 99% of the reason why I took the plea the first day of trial for the a year year and a half of prison and three-year probation was because the defense counsel that was assigned to my case decided he would actually go to the prosecutor's office and have a sit-down with the county attorney to convince him that the that the attorney that was assigned to my case should be allowed to offer me the deal of a lifetime because it would be in their best interest to offer me that versus taking the risk of going to trial. Why would the defense counsel be taking time to help the prosecutor? Um, yeah, just things to think about. Something else to think about, which I didn't have time to think, but um, the day of the 
the day we were supposed to pick the jury, the prosecutor asked me to think because he said, even if you, these are his exact words, even if you do go to trial on your first case and you win, um, yourself to can't yourself to, as a, you know, in self, de your self defense case, um, which you very well could win, he said. And if you do, I'm going to take you to trial on your second charge, the unlawful flight charge. And not only will you get the year and a half maximum, max, um, the, the year and a half for the unlawful flight charge, but you're also, we're also going to aggravate it by two years, meaning that I would spend in three and a half years in prison for one charge. If I won one charge, um, I would still spend three and a half years in prison. Now, I didn't have time to, de to deliberate. I didn't have time to bounce the idea off of anybody who was effective because the defense counsel was more busy trying to help him um, pitch the plea deal to his boss than to help me come up with a defense for the, the case um, in trial. I didn't have time to really think and establish um, um, any type of real thought behind the processes that and the information that was being thrown at me. In my mind, in that moment, I was thinking, I've already been in jail for nine months. If I take the year and a half in prison, three years probation, I'll only be serving another four or five months. I'll be released on probation, but I'll be released to an opportunity to have resources. Um, so since since then, I you know I started going to school. I you know have been really focusing on. Um, well, I really can't. I really can't. You know, be outside of work and school. Um, I actually started a nonprofit too, but. Um, I've been diving into doing positive things with my time instead of trying to revert back, you know, which is probably what they expected was me reverting back to the person I used to be. Um, but the worst thing that they, they could have done was throw me in jail and sober me up because now they're not dealing with the drug addict one. They're dealing with the educated one, which is probably scarier um, because I know a lot about the truth um, regarding how they manipulate court procedures for desired outcomes and I ex expect over the next few months um, to share that wealth of knowledge with the public um, I but had I known then what I know now I never would have taken the deal because had I won the first case the um the aggravated assault charge, um, which I've, you know, it was self-defense. I mean, when you're, when the victim is saying that the suspect isn't somebody that they would picture, um, or that they don't think that the suspect is somebody they feel should be in jail, then you'd think that the cops would stop and take a second look at what's going on. And, um, yeah re-evaluate re the situation but um, had I won that case then 
technically speaking, I would have never been on bond or there should have, there would have never been a need for me to have been on bond. So even if the prosecutor took me to trial on the unlawful flight charge, had I won the other case and had I lost the unlawful flight case, there would be no grounds for him to aggravate my sentence by an additional two years because that other case should have never have happened. That other, other charge should have been non-existent. So even if I did lose that second case, then I would have only done a year and a half in prison, which is what I did anyways. But I would not be sentenced to a three-year probation. Um, had I known then what I know now. There are just some things. There are some things that inmate legal services cannot provide. They definitely don't provide advice and they make that very clear when they respond to requests. Um, and the defense counsel that was assigned to my case definitely was just lost because had he provided me that support and help me get to that basic understanding and concept of sentencing and how things can and cannot be aggravated had he advised and counseled me to understand that if I won one case, the other case couldn't be aggravated, then I never would have admitted to things that I didn't do. But sadly enough, this happens oh too often. If it happened to me, it could happen to you or it could happen to one of your loved ones. I hope you join me for my next session. Um, next session, I'll go ahead and um, I think, yeah, yeah. The next session, I'm gonna talk a little bit about myself um, regarding the state of mind that I was in in that moment. Um, well, we'll find out. I'm sorry I talked your ear off. I hope you um, find enough interest in the technicalities and these legalities that I endured. Um, once again, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out um, through my Facebook page. Thank you for, for hearing me out. Um, I'm a firm believer that my truth shall set me free. Um, and that song that I was playing at the beginning, I feel like it was written just for me. It's my turn. It's my time to testify.
they tried to strip me of my voice in a formal court hearing for their desired outcome. And they succeeded. But at this point, I got what I wanted. I got out sooner than what all those attorneys wanted me to serve. And I'm out. And I have my resources. And I have my resources. So stay tuned. Trust me, it only gets more interesting from here. This is just the this is just the tip of the iceberg. And a brief introduction to the state versus me. I hope you guys stay tuned.